0: Thanks for tuning in to the Velocity Church Podcast. Here at Velocity, we love to hear about how lives are changed. And if that's you, let us know and send us an email at amen at findvelocity.org. Now enjoy today's message. That's what I want to talk to you about today as we get into our psalm. I want to read to you from Psalm 129. This is going to be our psalm for today. And I've taken a long time uh, with my introduction, so I want to jump right into this. And I'll break out and give you some context and some thoughts uh, in the sermon. But in Psalm 129, this is what it says. "From my earliest youth, my enemies have persecuted me. Let all Israel repeat this. From my earliest youth, my enemies have persecuted me, but they've never defeated me. My back is covered with cuts, as if a farmer had plowed long furrows. But the Lord is good. He's cut me free from the ropes of the ungodly. May those who hate Zion be put to shame. May they be stopped and chased away. They will be like grass on a flat roof that dies before it has time to grow. The one who goes to harvest it will not find enough to cut and stack. May no one walking by those wicked people ever say, may the Lord bless you. We bless you in the name of the Lord. Now, if you're a little confused when you read that, I just want to tell you that you're in good company. Because... For decades, scholars have debated just how exactly to categorize this psalm, because it's kind of got a few different themes in it. However, what's in this psalm is really, really good, because it's going to speak to us today about our thinking. It's going to speak to us today about our thoughts. In fact, I want to tell you this right up front, that you'll never go any higher than your lowest thought. You'll, You'll never go any higher than the way you think. And if we want to ascend, if we want to lift off, we have to learn to control our thinking. The fact of the matter is so many of us stay grounded because we can't control our thoughts. And so I want to use this message as our subject, and this is my title if you're taking notes. I want to speak to you about ground control, ground control. And if you don't like that title, I'll give you a little subtitle that you can write down. It's How to Prevent a Launch Failure. How to Prevent a Launch Failure. So I'm like, isn't that a movie with Matthew McConaughey? No, that's a different, <laughs> So it's a completely different thing. We're talking about God's Word here. So, hey, let's pray, let's ask for God's help, and we will get into what He wants to say to us today. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you so much for your Word, for your truth. Thank you, God, for... Her What you're going to do in lives today. God, I believe that this message has the power to change the way we pray, to change the way we think, to change the way we approach you. God, that happens every time we open up your word and begin to apply it to our life. So God, help me today uh, to speak clearly. And God, I pray a special blessing on everybody who made the decision to brave the snow at nine o'clock a.m., that they are going to be blessed this week, and I'm not praying a curse on anybody, like the psalmist, but I'm just saying you're going to do it in Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Hey, I'm curious. Have you noticed that uh, listening is a bit of a lost art? Anybody ever noticed that? Wow. I, uh, I, I I don't know. Uh, I I don't know if it's like because of social media or cell phones, which is kind of funny because those things are designed to help us communicate. I'm just saying I've noticed that listening. It's a bit of a lost art. In fact, I'll just throw this out for free if we got any single guys in the house. Um, if, if finding that magical woman is on your list for 2018, let me just tell you, you've got two options. You can work out and look good, or you can learn to listen. If you don't want to learn to listen, I mean, then just work out and look good. But if you don't want to work out and look good, learn to listen, and women will love you. This is just some of the advice I give out for free. Uh, when you come to just practical wisdom that you can immediately apply to your life. But I, I'm bringing this up and I understand I might be a little bit biased, but case in point, I've got four children at my house, three of which are boys. And, and what got me thinking about this is you see, at my house, this is a known fact. You know how they say only the strong survive? At my house, only the loud survive. <laughs> if you want to make it in my house, you have to be, it's not about strength. It's about volume. And and I'm not even gonna begin to tell you who's categorically and unequivocally the loudest in my house. You'll we'll just have to guess that one for yourself. But his initials are Oliver Jenkins, if you're wondering. And so it's just correct. Because what happens is I will, you know, come home from work, I'll walk in the door, and it is complete. An utter chaos. They're screaming from all parts of the house. I'm walking in. I'm dodging Nerf bullets as they're being fired. It's like a war zone in there. I, I, I'm trying to figure out what's going on. I'm like, what? And so in order to get my point across, I have to raise my volume. I, I turn the corner. I'll see like one of Pippa's stuffed animals taped against the door and they're using it for target practice. And I'm like, what is going on? What is wrong with you and chaos still ensues and inevitably what happens without fail is somebody gets hurt something breaks something goes wrong and I'm thinking what is wrong with you who in the world what made you think that this would be a good idea why didn't you stop when I told you to stop and here's what happens you know they'll end up pointing at each other he told me or they'll say "I, I didn't hear you and the truth is, it's not that they didn't hear me. It's that they were listening to someone else. you may be thinking, well, what in the world does this have to do with our message and our psalm today? Well, I don't want to talk to you about the voices in your head. I don't want to be known as that, Pastor. But what I do want to talk to you about is the thoughts that you think. I want to talk to you about the thoughts that you're listening to. And maybe even that picture that I painted for you of the scene in my house would resemble the the scene in your head. You've got chaos going on with so many thoughts coming at you, and you end up listening to these things that that it's setting you up for disaster. In fact, I want to give you my main point right up front. Uh, This is the main idea, the main thing I'm talking about. If you don't get anything else out of the sermon, if you tune everything else out after this, if you write this down, at least you'll walk out of here with something uh, that's going to help your life. So it's I like, yes, I just got to get one. Th- it's like you know, the answer to the test. So he- here's what I want to tell you, is that you can let your thoughts ground you or you can let your thoughts guide you. You can let your thoughts ground you or you can let your thoughts guide you. Your life is going to be marked by this practice. In fact, none of us will ever change our lives until we begin to change the way we think. I know you've got a lot of goals you want to hit this year. You've got things that you want to see happen. But can I just tell you, all the things that you want to achieve, they don't start with doing. They start with thinking. It's really how you think about it. Scripture actually puts it this way, that wise thinking leads to right living. Stupid thinking leads to wrong living. I love how the Bible just puts that out there. If you've got stupid thoughts, you've got the wrong thoughts, it's going to lead to wrong living. And so today, I want to teach you about thinking. I want to give you some practical steps that I see in this song. Because if we try and change things in our life, try and change a behavior, try and change a habit, try and change a situation, but we never try to change the thought that controls that behavior, then we're always going to be grounded. So, it all starts right here. And that's why I wanted to encourage you the first week to just begin a social media fast. And even some of you talked about, yeah, it was so much easier to seek God. So much like I was not as concerned about what other people thought. Because what we allow into our life, especially the first part of our day, has so much influence over how we feel and how we think. I don't know if you're like me, but I mean, this is particularly hard for me because I tend to be task oriented. Like the first thing I want to do in the morning is check my text messages and check my email and see all the stuff I got to do or who said what. And if I'm not careful, man, that can dictate how I think about my day. You've you've really got to guard what you let in. And the reason it's so important is because God's process of transformation begins with a new way of thinking. Paul said it in Romans in in one translation. He said not to be conformed to the patterns and the customs of this world, but to let God transform you by changing the way that you think. That's how God's transformation process works. And so here's the principle is that your life is marked by how well you can control your thoughts. Your life is marked by how well you control your thoughts. You can either let them ground you or you can let them guide you. And this is what we see in Psalm 129. Now, on one hand, if you're just like reading through this quickly, it kind of looks like this guy is pouring out a complaint. But what you see on closer inspection is that he's actually choosing how to direct his thoughts. He says, from my earliest youth, my enemies have persecuted me. Let all Israel repeat this. From my earliest youth, my enemies have persecuted me, but they have never defeated me. In other words, I'm not denying what's happened, but I'm choosing how I think about what's happened. And maybe what's taking up resonance in your mind as you're here this morning is all of the stuff that happened in 2017. All of the things that you didn't get done. All of the things that happened that you wish would have happened differently. All the things that happened that you didn't expect or that you didn't want. Maybe it's not even 2017. Maybe it's the way 2018 started out for you. Maybe it's the fact this year didn't start the way I wanted. It. I had big dreams, and then this happened. I had high hopes, and then this thing happened. Here, here's what I want to tell you. is that You can choose to look at what happened and just say, well, I'm just a victim here all of this stuff happened to me, I, like I can never get ahead. I don't, now I'm really set back, I'm the victim. I can choose to look at the fact that you're still standing, that it didn't take you out, that you still have a future in front of you. you say, I'm, I'm not the victim, I, I'm the victor. Yeah. I heard one pastor say one time that if you're not dead, then God's not done. Yeah. Like he's still got plans for you that he wants you to fulfill. He's still got things that he wants to do in your life. That he, he, he's, got, he's put some God dreams in your heart that aren't over yet. And so if you've had some hardships, but you're still standing, if you've had some difficulties, but you decided to come to church today, can I tell you, that's a step forward in the right direction. So that's why the first thing I want to tell you is this, that direction is key. Direction is key. If you don't like where you're going, you need to change the direction that you're thinking because direction is key. And the reason I subtitled this "How to Prevent a Launch Failure" is because when I was studying for the sermon, I'm I'm always, as a preacher, I'm always looking to make connections. I'm always looking, okay, how can I take something and make it relevant and practical and applicable to your life? So I was thinking, well, you know, we're in this series, lift off. I'm curious about all the things involved in a rocket taking off, and a space shuttle launching. So I started studying that. But what really caught my attention wasn't all the things involved in takeoff, but it was all the things that can happen that can prevent a shuttle from ever getting off the ground. And it was funny, because one of the primary things is that th- that causes shuttle failure, causes launch failure, is you got to keep the pointy end up. Now, that's a very simple way of saying it, of talking about aerodynamics. But this is true. There's all this math, all this science, everything behind it. But what happens is, if it just veers off ever so slightly, it begins to break apart. And perhaps you've seen some videos and stuff of it. It's very important that it stays straight up. And I was thinking, man, isn't that what happens in our lives? We let all these other things come in, which begin to take away our focus from where we should be pointed. And maybe it's just a little thing, but we begin to to veer off ever so slightly. And then what happened? Our life falls apart. This is how Paul talked about it in Romans. He said, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best in you. He brings the best out of you. He develops well-formed maturity in you. See, this is the purpose why direction is so important. It's not just like a better way to live your life. When you're pointed in the right direction, It helps you understand what God wants, helps you understand his purpose for your life. That's why we talk about growth track so much, not because, you know, growth track is this nice little church thing that we do, but because it's really key to understanding what God wants for you. It's not just a better way to live. It's about you fulfilling the will of God in your life. That's why we're encouraging to come this week. There's some of you, you've been coming to church here for a year and you've never gone through it. Can I tell you if you would just take this one small step, it would make a big difference in your life. It might be one small step for you, but it could be one giant leap for what God wants to do in your life, for God's purpose being fulfilled in your life. And so we got to stay pointed in the right direction. What happens, we, instead of being fixed on God, we become fixated on everything else around us, on what's happened, how he lied to me, how they let me go how she betrayed me, that they hurt me, that they wronged me. We become fixated on all this other stuff. And because how we think determines how we feel, we never get off the ground because we'll never rise any higher than our lowest thought. But what the psalmist shows us is that even though we can't make the circumstances around us change, we can change what we focus on. We can change the direction that we're pointing he said this, my back is covered with cuts, as if a farmer had plowed long furrows. But the Lord is good. He's cut me free from the ropes of the ungodly. In other words, they tried to cut me down, but God cut me loose. Yeah. They were trying to get their digs in, but God delivered me. I like how it says, like a farmer putting in their plows. In other words, they went to work on me. They went to work, but, you know, what they tried to do only served to prepare a place for God to plant a seed for his purpose in my life. I really like the fact that this psalm has so much agricultural imagery, and not just because it allowed me to make a David Bowie reference in my title, but I like it because what it does is it reminds me that thoughts are really destiny in seed form. Have you ever thought about that? Like when you plant a thought, it produces an action. When you plant an action, it produces a habit. When you plant a habit, it produces a lifestyle. And when you plant a lifestyle, it produces your destiny. Your thoughts are really destiny in C-form. That's why we gotta make sure that our thoughts are pointed in the right direction. We gotta keep them pointed up. But it's not just aerodynamics that are the issue. There's all sorts of external factors that can come in and cause a launch failure. In fact, one of the most challenging factors can be the weather. Uh, All sorts of things, precipitation, lightning, high winds, clouds, all of those things can prevent or or even cause failure when we go to take off. And that's why I want to talk to you about checking your forecast, checking your forecast. Now, look, I know it's cheesy, but I'm willing to use some cheesiness if it helps you remember and drive the point home. There are gonna be a lot of unpredictable factors in your life. And when those unpredictable factors come in, what you need to remember is that God is for you. You need to check your forecast. That's not what a lot of us do though. Most of us, instead of checking the forecast, what do we do? Well, we check the fear cast. We think, oh, if that didn't take me out, this definitely will. I have no idea what's going to happen now. Man, this is, you know, bad news always comes in threes. This happened. I'm just waiting for the other two to drop. Well, we're always looking for the worst case scenario, but what you need to do is remember that God is for you. He, he's, he's for you. That's what the psalmist does. He, he remembers these, these things that he can't control. He remembers how God is for them. What would happen if you did that this week? whatever comes in unexpected because it's going to happen well what if you remember that that god is for you man i you mean they said what about me that's all right god god is for me man I, i didn't expect to to have this expense that's all right god god is for me i mean you mean i ate rice cakes all week and i still gained a pound it's all right god still loves me he's He's still, he's still for me. You, you got to remember that that God is, is for you. And that's what the psalmist does. He, he says, I, I can't change the past. I know these things were hurtful. But he chooses how he remembers it. When, when he remembers what God has done for him, what God has done for him actually propels him forward. So he says, Hey, from my earliest youth, my enemies have persecuted me. Let all Israel repeat this. From my earliest youth, my enemies have persecuted me, but they've never defeated me. Every time he's tempted to retreat back into what has happened, he flips the script. So what I learned is that, you know, they can't really, the reason it's a problem is because they set these launches so far out, there's no way they can predict what the weather's going to be like. So what they do instead is they look for favorable conditions. Now, what would happen if the stuff that comes in, you changed it to look for favorable conditions in your life? Instead of, instead of just griping about what's happened, what if you turned it and flipped it as an opportunity to be grateful? What if like this psalmist, you, you, you made music out of your misery? You, you turned the problems into a praise. You, you, you turned the frustration into a celebration. You can do that when you remember that God's for you. And I know some of you are like, well, hey, that's good for you, pastor. That's awesome. I'm glad you're talking about this stuff, but you don't know what happened to me. You don't know what they did to me. You have no idea how this is going to play out. And you're right. I, I really don't. That's why I want to tell you this last thing, which is to keep it loud and clear. Keep it loud and clear. See, what I'm hoping you see in this series is that God gets you. He, he, he gets you. I want you to know that he gets you. Sometimes, see, I've just learned this in my years past, that the thing that keeps a lot of us from coming to God is we think if we can't come to God the right way, then we won't go to God at all. And so I want you to notice the second half of this psalm. He says this, because the psalm is broken into two sections. He says, May those who hate Zion be put to shame. May they be stopped and chased away. They'll be like grass on a flat roof that dies before it has time to grow. The one who goes to harvest it will not find enough to cut and stack. May no one walking by those wicked people ever say, may the Lord bless you. We bless you in the name of the Lord. Now, honestly, it's a bit jarring. I know some of you are like, can I pray like that? Is that okay? I don't know. I'm going to actually start praying like that. In fact, it's funny because in, in my Bible, there's little headings above the Psalms kind of help you know what they're about. And it literally says, it says, a prayer against haters. And some of you are like, yes, that's what I want. A prayer against my haters. Some of you didn't even know that was in the Bible, but... It is, but I want to explain this to you. I got to break this down just just a little bit. First of all, it's not talking about your haters, all right? It's not talking about your enemies. It's talking about God's enemies. It's talking about those who hate Zion. You got to understand that Zion is really used to represent the purpose of God, the the people of God, and the place of God. So it's saying, God, those who are opposing your purpose— the, those who are opposing your plan, those who are opposing the things that you want to do, that you want to perform, that you want to make happen, God, I pray that that those plans would fail. That the things that would stand in the way of your purpose going forth, that, that those would be put to shame. See, he's, he's talking to God and, and he's talking about those things that would try and stop that. But it's kind of interesting the way he says it. He's He's highlighting God's plan. He's highlighting God's purpose by emphasizing the negative. It's actually, it's a literary device. We do it sometimes in in the way we talk. So it's really not praying against people, but it's really a desire, expressing desire for God's purpose to be fulfilled. But I want to point out this honestly isn't a prayer as much as it is a promise. What he's saying is, Say, there's no reason to be discouraged by those things that are over him. Saying, it's like grass on a rooftop. It's over me in the moment, but it's not going to endure very long. No, no fruit is going to come from this. He's just saying that this is short-lived. It's not so much what he said, though. And we could talk all about it, the different things and the meanings. It's how he said it. That's what I want to emphasize. Because it sounds kind of negative honestly it's it's jarring because it sounds kind of hostile, it sounds raw and he's expressing how he's feeling, and sometimes we're afraid to go to God because we feel like we can't express what we really want to say that's why I'm telling you to keep it loud and clear because The number one cause of launch failure is poor communication. It's the number one reason that rockets explode or shuttles explode is poor communication. And I was so fascinated by this, I was um, doing some research, and I found on YouTube uh, recording inside the shuttle as they're preparing for takeoff. And they were going through all these checks, and there were four people in the shuttle, four astronauts, and they're radioing with ground control about all these different things going on. And repeatedly, what they said, before they could say anything, every single one of them said loud and clear, loud and clear, loud and clear. They're saying it over the... Ra- they, in fact, if there was ever a, a question on something, they, they'd have to say it. But it's not really expression this this is the challenge this is what I want to challenge you with this week is that you you have to come to God and pray with your mouth now I know that sounds (coughs) silly to say but see what a lot of us do is we worry and we call it prayer and the problem is you can't fight your mind with your mind you got to fight your mind with your mouth. Isn't that what the psalmist said in Scripture? He says, from my youth, my enemies have attacked me. That's the thought coming in. Then what's he say? Let Israel repeat this. He didn't say, let Israel remember this. So let them repeat this. In other words, you need to say this out loud. You need to use your mouth. yes. From my youth, they've attacked me, but God didn't let me fail. God helped me. God stood with me. God delivered me. So here's the challenge. This is the challenge. This week, every day this week, seven days, I want you to pray out loud. I want you to use your mouth and speak to God. I don't know, it seems like a, seems like a simple thing, but here's what I've noticed. I can think a thousand thoughts but I can only say one thing at a time. It's so important. So what would happen this week in your prayer time? You just begin to have a conversation with God. I say it that way because a lot of people that say, well, Pastor, I don't know how to pray. I don't know how to talk to God. It's like I always get short. And sometimes I hear this and they go on for about 30 minutes about all the reasons why they can't pray. I'm like, well, you don't have any problem talking. Why? Why, why, don't, you just, why don't you just talk to God? He, he knows your heart. He knows the things you're feeling. He knows all the things going on in your mind. And so here's the key. Prayer is the lift-off moment. Pr- prayer is the moment where we begin to lift off those things that are, we're carrying in our mind, that are keeping us grounded, the fear that's holding us down. That, when you pray, say, God, this thing is too big for me. I can't carry it. I need you to take it. God, I'm stressed out in this moment, and I need your peace. You realize, like, really the promises of God, you don't need those. It goes without saying, you don't need those when you don't need those. Like, when you've got peace in your life, that's not the time to call out to God for peace. Right? The promises of God for when you need them.